slept like an idiot last night. This is my only thing about long weekends. One is that I rarely get them. It's not exactly a high-frequency thing. We normally work through the long weekends, which is normally what I call zombie day, right? Because mm-hmm. yeah. I show up on the train and no one else is there for the train. <laughs> I'm just alone and I go, oh, my God, it's happened again. <laughs> Apocalypse. Pandemic 2.0. No. I'm the last to know. Check the phone. Everything's fine. It's a vacation day. We got it off yesterday. Mm-hmm. When I get three days in a row off, you better believe my sleep is getting screwed up. Like <laughs> I'm... S- gonna sleep in one day i'm taking a long nap one day and i'm going to bed way too late one night and here we are yesterday getting back on track like oh yeah i gotta go to work go to sleep no not happening (laughs) so basically that was me making an excuse for if today sucks (laughs) (laughs) you're covering your bases yeah i because i got i got some thoughts i got some thoughts that were percolating over the weekend and some of them are layered so let's try to follow down the rabbit hole here. First of all, I'm just going to get this out of the way because I've got Myrtle up in 10 minutes and we're going to talk about the Shanahan versus Dubas Leaf succession. <laughs> I hated succession this week, by the way. Uh, Jays are in trouble. And for all you dorks that love tweeting, it's May. Yeah, it's late May. They've played a good chunk of the season. And a couple things that I've been flagging for quite some time appear to be pretty serious problems. Yeah, the runners in scoring position thing is clearly going to have positive regression, right? I think we all understand that. We all know that Alejandro Kirk isn't going to be this bad. My boy Varsho for four hits a meaningless bomb last night that almost became actually meaningful, but good for him. He ran into one. Finally, it's about time. That trade is looking like it's going to be tough for him to get up to Lourdes Gurriel Jr.'s level by the end of the season. Nonetheless, the fact that the Jays traded their top prospect for that guy too. Um, Chris Bassett, you can't really blame him for last night, but he's clearly been him and Kevin Kiermaier, the the shining lights of this offseason. But everything else, just this team looks mediocre right now. This was why I said that they had a B-minus offseason or a C-plus offseason. You can just see how... They have a clear plan of how they can be an awesome team, but it involves Vladimir Guerrero Jr. being a superstar, having zero regression from George Springer, having Bo Bichette be a super-duper star, and having Matt Chapman have a contract season. It's like as soon as those guys start to have any type of dip in production, the rest of the roster just looks whatever. Just Varsho has been a complete miss. Belt is at least coming around and doing something for you but he's a DH that doesn't hit for any power. This is a small ball team. These guys, <laughs> they string together base hits and they draw walks. And then they don't cash in these runs because they don't have any power in the lineup. So I don't know. Yeah, do I think they're going to start winning some games? Do I feel like they're out of it like some people think they are? No, obviously not. But the offense, I don't think is just some random fluke or this is some blip. You're looking at a team that is likely going to have an above-average offense but is not going to be an elite one anytime soon. And we're starting to get a pretty large sample size, to me anyways, that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is a really, really good player. But he might not be a super-duper star, you know, a guy who other players can just simply orbit around and you can have success like the Yankees with Aaron Judge. Anyways, I also tweeted over the weekend 
which got some of the dumbest replies that I've ever gotten in my whole life in terms of Twitter. And I know it's Twitter. I know it's Twitter. So I try to forgive all of you. And I tried to just stay out of the mentions, even though I did like four or five drafts <laughs> and then deleted the drafts and went, okay. But I tweeted that it's another year where the bullpen isn't good enough. And so we were like, it's the offense's problem. It's like, yeah, man, Twitter is not, you have to put everything in a nuanced way. But this is the issue I have with the bullpen and why it drives me nuts more than the offense right now. Offense is in a slump. It's going to come around a little bit. I do think that they're going to be above average. I don't think it's going to be this bad. The bullpen has injuries, right? Zach Pop, Adam Simber. Didn't really love Adam before he got hurt anyways. And they've had a nice story from Nate Pearson and, and my boy T. Rich has bounced back a little bit this year. Bass has actually strung together a couple of decent innings, although they've been in extremely low leverage, so I'm not sure what to read into it, other than at some point this is going to bite them in the ass because they're going to run him out there in an important spot and he's going to get absolutely labeled. But I'm, you guys know me. You work with me. When you make one mistake, right, you have a bad day, not going to be just killing you for it. I'll just be like, hey, today sucked, but on to the next one. Yeah. It's when you do the thing over and over and over again where someone starts to be annoyed and get upset. And that's why I'm annoyed with the bullpen because it's just not its not a great pen. It's fine. It's okay. I think Romano hanging one, I'm not going to kill him because he's been great year over year. Swanson's been good, and it helps that Teoscar Hernandez really still hasn't found himself in Seattle. I think he's still heartbroken that the Blue Jays stabbed him in the back. Didn't want to pay him any money. And they decided to go with Brandon Belt over him. Um, But how many guys do you love seeing trot out of there right now? How many guys inspire confidence in you in a tight ball game? Swanson Mm -hmm. again. It's basically one and a half-ish. When I combine Swanson... Pearson, who all of a sudden has gone from triple A guy to, hey, maybe this dude's one of the most important relievers that they're going to have this season, and Romano. And so, uh, it's just, it's not good enough. Jimmy is a nightmare at this point. You do not want to see Jimmy Garcia in leverage. He's just, he, he's like, I'm giving up a run, okay? I'm coming out here. Something's, the scoreboard is not going to be the same as when I arrived <laughs> in the game. Some scoreboard guy is hanging a number. It's just a matter of what number is that going to be for old Jimmy. It's it's not happening. The guy is, and you can see it in his face, and there's nothing sadder than watching a reliever go through it and just really hurt their team. But, yeah, Jimmy Garcia, I got zero faith in you. Mm-hmm. Who else? Like, I really am stretching for T-Rich right now. <laughs> they brought out Hatch yesterday, for God's sakes. And I know it's because of injuries, but, man, bullpen just still not good enough, and it's another year, and you go, can you guys ever do this? Can you guys ever put together a bullpen? I don't know. Yeah, I'm their, st- their war dropped in the last week as well from point eight to uh, point seven. Yeah, Joe, their yeah. war definitely dropped. Yep. <laughs> they They're got down smoked. Down to 19th in the MLB. They got smoked again. And yeah, they got to score more, obviously. And they're putting too much pressure on the bullpen, blah, blah, blah. But year over year over year, we keep doing the same thing with the Blue Jays, which is, yeah, you're definitely going to have to add an arm or two at the deadline. Uh, they're going to have to add a guy who can strike people out. And I just, I'm tired of that, man. For God's sakes, go, bullpens are important. We know this. This is 2023. It's hard to identify these guys. They're up and down. They're all over the place. But you clearly valued it because you traded Teoscar Hernandez for a reliever. So I, I just, I'm, I'm growing impatient, more impatient with the bullpen stuff than other areas of the team. Anyways, Blue Jays. Sorry, done. <laughs> Maple Leafs. 
What a weekend. Sammy and I do an emergency podcast. I jump on Fan Drive on Friday. What did I say during my show with Frank? I knew the news dump was coming. Yeah. <laughs> I knew that I was going to get hit with an irrelevant show. There was some relevant stuff in there, though, that did stay. There so was. It wasn't a full waste of time. Especially near the end. And it also did inform my other podcast, getting to pick Frank's brain, so it was fine. Okay, here's a couple things. Shanna's spin weekend, we thought it would cool down. We thought that the point of a Friday news dump is that everything gets out of the way, and then Saturday, Sunday, Monday of a long weekend, people kind of stop talking about things. New stories emerge. There's no new story in town. This is the, the story in town. The Blue Jays are on fire right now in a bad way. And the Maple Leafs are still the story in town. So there's a couple things here. One, I really don't care that Sergei Bobrovsky is hot. I just need to tell Leafs fans this right now. For those of you that are sitting out there listening to this right now, and if you're doing, if you're doing the thing where you think that the Maple Leafs just got unlucky against a goaltender again, and you're doing the thing of another year where the Leafs Faced a team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals. This team is just so snake. If you're doing that, you are out of your mind. You are genuinely out of your mind. You got to stop this stuff. I knew immediately when I saw Bobrovsky get hot last night. And two things are going to be true. Bobrovsky's been amazing. He deserves accolades and credit. He's doing something that is so impressive that it's making me interested in the Eastern Conference Final. (laughs) Which I did not think was possible. I really, truly... Never thought I would watch a minute of it. I, I thought, yeah, um, call me for the cup final that I'll, you know, basically be struggling to watch because I could care less about these Florida. teams. Oh, my God. I do not care. I do not care about these teams. But please, Leaf fans, please, those of you that are clinging on to this thing, it's pathetic. It's, be- it's beneath you. Have some standards for yourself. Have some pride. Have just a modicum of respect for yourselves doing the Bobrovsky and now they are gonna blow up the car because a hot goalie and unlucky you you brain dead you're brain dead you gotta do better you gotta do better than this anyways we see a full weekend right starts off extremely hot Shanahan takes the mic he's emotional he speaks with conviction and Dubas is gone and it starts a 72-hour discussion cycle of who did what and what's going on behind the scenes and who is in the Dubas camp and who is in the Shanahan camp and who is on the take and who is on the take from who and what was the actual reason for the departure? Was it the family man, Kyle Dubas, who just needed, who was never going to take another job. He was never going to pop up anywhere else a week from now. And he's taking an interview with the Pittsburgh Penguins. But no, but that was different. It was different then because why? Okay, sure, fine. And I already know the position I'm in, right? Like I know the company I work for. And so everybody thinks that I'm just going to be a shale and it's like, oh, you're just going to propagate the message that they want you. Do you think that they care about me that much? You think I get a message? I think that somebody put one down to me. It was like, JD, give us one for the team here. Make sure that you do this. I thought Shanahan came out and gave his version of events. Do I think it's a complete picture? No! Obviously not. Who does? But we got one side of the story. And so you start working off of the one side of the story. 
and you start picking through what might be and what might not be true and where there might be discrepancies. And here's my thing for those of you that are still so heavily in the Dubas camp and think that he was in some way jobbed in all of this, right? What, where is the part of the Shanahan discussion that you think, like, this is what I need to know from people. I'm not, I'm just putting it out there. I need to know where you think it is that there is some large departure from the truth in what he outlined. Because it's pretty strange to have something that forthcoming. In fact, now that I think about it, I was listening to Elliot the other day talk about other front office people, how they might interpret that, and you go, huh, that's actually kind of an interesting point, that Shanahan really did lay it out that bare. It's pretty intense. I don't think Brennan Shanahan, maybe I'm underestimating him. I don't think he's that good of an actor. I don't think he's that good of a liar. I think that he told a lot of his interpretation of the truth. Now, we all have bosses, okay? Do I think Brendan Shanahan completely acted alone? No, obviously not. This is a major decision from a multi, what, billion dollar companies that own the Toronto Maple Leafs. Do I think that those people wanted to have some say in what goes on with the organization? Uh, yeah. I don't know why this is such breaking news to people. Again, you can say that I'm just protecting the shield, but for major, major implications, when you're talking about guys who are handing out $11 million a season contracts, you don't think that gets run up the ladder to somebody? Uh, of course it does. And now there's all these like conspiracy theories online of, and they're bailing out Kyle Dubas right now going, he just wanted more autonomy and they blocked him because they were, they just didn't want him to have full control. And if he could have only had the full control, look at this roster, you bozos. It's all Kyle Dubas's. He hired every single person that ever worked for the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds. He handpicked his coach. He got to fire a guy making $5 million a season as a coach, what, halfway through his deal? To replace him with his guy. He gave Connor Timmons money. Connor Timmons gets money next year. Why? Because he played for the Greyhounds. No one even considered the idea of that guy playing in the playoffs. And MLS, he was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Give your guy some money. He played for the team you like. Sure, draft another guy from the Sioux. Sure, bring in Matt Murray, your guy from the Sioux. Oh, hire his personal goalie coach from the Sioux. No problem. You guys really believe that this is some kind of invasive meddling from up top where Kyle Dubas was just handcuffed in his job? Based on what evidence? What evidence do you have to support this theory? Because from the people that I've talked to, they've got nothing. They've got zilch when it comes to this. And basically, when Elliot reported it, the way that I interpret it was he didn't want things to leak. And sometimes he thought the process could be slow. And yes, did him and Brendan Shanahan, were they at odds at times? Uh, yeah. Work in any creative space. Work with any other person on a collaborative project. And tell me if you don't have friction at times with another person. So do I think Brennan Shanahan wanted to hand the car keys over completely to Dubas? No. Why should he? He's his boss. He's a Stanley Cup winning person. Why would he want to hand over everything to Kyle Dubas? And again, show me the evidence. Brennan Shanahan year over year over year has supported Kyle Dubas. Publicly, privately, everything. Where is the evidence? And so, yeah, now are things in disarray? Are there reports coming out of the woodworks of different guys and being upset? Yes, naturally. That's what happens when there's turnover. That's what happens when there's change. But the idea here that 
Kyle Dubas was somehow hard done by or that this is something that you need to be terrified of as a Leaf fan, I think is a little nuts. That being said, change is happening. Change is scary. And you don't know if the alternative is going to be better. And that's why, whew, you can, you can clench up a little bit right now because there are big questions to be had. Anyways, um, my guy James Myrtle wrote an excellent piece on this. Like, I, I really do think it was the piece. Like, you can go read it right now on the behind-the-scenes stuff between Shanahan and Dubas. Tons of different stuff right there for him up at The Athletic. The senior managing editor joins me now. Good morning, James. Sorry that you had to listen to all of that. I, we that, got was a, that was a lot. That was like a one-man play. I was, I was wondering if I was part of it or not. You're a part of it, baby. <laughs> part of it. Oh, now, well, now I am. Yeah, welcome. Yeah, no, it's uh, Act Two. Is this what this is I now? I come in with a broom and just sweep up Bro, like, whatever no, happened no, in this room. No, this part's about you. All right, I said my piece. I just I've been sitting <laughs> on it, and I didn't get a good sleep last night, and I needed to fire that stuff out unhinged and unfettered because, yeah, I I, I like the Bobrovsky stuff. That was my favorite. Yeah, and the and the, and the voice that the Leafs fans had, and it was there's there's definitely some. Uh, you know, I, I I don't know. I think on social media, I think people try and be a bit contrarian or over oh, the top 100%. with, you know, so I do it, whatever's so happening I in the moment is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, we're all guilty of that. I do that too. You know, so it's funny because when, I'll, sometimes I'll tweet something that I know is a good take, but it's the right measured take and it just goes into nothing, right? You go, eh, this is <laughs> 12 likes, hooray, you know, but then you give actually a hard line opinion on something and you, you spice up your opinion just a little bit and it translates. That's the medium. That's why I actually try to tweet less and save a lot of the stuff for on here. Cause here I can actually be nuanced on something and have an actual discussion about it. Okay. Like this is where I'm at with the Bobrovsky and the Panthers thing. Yeah. The Leafs lost to a good team or a team that's playing well. That's the playoffs. Like I don't understand why this is so confusing to people that, they yeah. might lose to a team that looks good the next round or I mean, goes to a cup final. That, every that's... team in the final four is playing well. I mean, like they're <laughs> yeah. all, you know, like that's how you make the final four. And of course. That was one of the things we talked about when the Leafs were playing Tampa. It's like, okay, they might win this round, but if they keep playing like this, it's not going to translate. Like you're not, you're not going to go deep playing the way that they played against Tampa. Um, you're not going to get lucky to, you know, win three or four rounds. It's just, that's just not the way that it works. So Florida's a really good team. They always were. I mean, the, the Bobrovsky thing is a bit uh, unexpected given his track record, but, you know, that's that's the NHL. Yeah. I, I just also love, though, that when he does this stuff, the other angle becomes, and if only the Leafs could get this one time. It's like, well, what Bobrovsky is now doing is actually unprecedented as far back as we have tracked expected goals against and save percentage. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't think that this is a reasonable expectation of something you should get. Okay, so let's get back into the, the Shanahan Dubas weekend because, yeah, as we sit here today, we're getting a lot, you know? Like, there's... There's a sneaky uh, amount of a lot for, let's just put it this way. Since Lou Lamorello came to town, things really tightened up around the Toronto Maple Leafs, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's that, that's what Lou's known for is, you know, basically there's like an omerta in the front office. And, yeah. and it was interesting, too, because when Lou left, it it's. I remember he left, and it's like, oh, maybe things are going to change. Nope. And it's like, no, no, like no. Kyle Dubas kept it in place. Yes. And, really didn't talk a lot to the media and not a lot leaked out. And now it's, it's chaos in a number of ways, but right. one of the, 
one of the ways that it's chaos is that my phone started blowing up with, you know, people calling me wanting to talk and people that I hadn't heard from in a long time. And that's, I think people were really, really shocked mm-hmm. with what ha- with what happened on Friday. They weren't expecting it. And then when I say people, I, you know, people specifically in the Dubas camp, but mm-hmm. even just generally in the Leafs front office, they they weren't. They thought that there was a, they were going to find a way to make it work. And so when it when it fell apart, people were shocked, and pe- people were like you said, people were really upset. So. You know, some of like the the leaks or whatever. I I wonder if it's just the beginning of that. Like, I think there's going to be this is going to be something that's probably going to be talked about for a long time. One hundred percent. There's going to be more and more stuff that comes out, and you know, especially if the Leafs now start letting a bunch of people go. I mean, you know, those people aren't the only thing that's keeping more and more people, I think, from talking is that they're employed by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Mm-hmm. I'll put it. This is my interpretation of things right now. I think it's. I don't think it's all that hard to decipher what happened to a degree. Like, I think that they clearly wanted to have Kyle Dubas back. They didn't really love the fact that he wasn't more enthusiastic about it. He believed in his team. He believed in this group. He thought a successful playoff run would give him a ton of leverage. And they won around finally. And that seemed to be the bar for them. And then Kyle Dubas thought, I'm going to still try to exert this leverage. He probably got a number in his head and he probably got a certain level of power that he wanted within the organization in his head. And when everything was done, it was pretty chaotic and people were not pleased with what was going on and that he tried to make this, you know, move and Brendan Shanahan probably didn't love it. And the board probably didn't love it, especially when he went to a podium and started to kind of negotiate through the media and people can talk about, you know, how much of this is true or not, whatever. It was clearly just still negotiating through the media, regardless of just intent or sorry, not intent, but of, yeah, some of the things that he spoke about. And then they decided to pull the plug on it and go in a different direction. And I think that a lot of people were emotional on both sides. It might not end up being the right move, but that it's basically the result of where we're at today. Did you feel the same? Like, where is the large departure for you, if at all? I, you know what, honestly, I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think that Kyle Dubas was shocked that it didn't go his way. I mean, when you, when you make, especially with the part that comes in where he's looking for autonomy and, you know, there's, there's stuff coming out now about looking for autonomy from the board. He had to know that. Streamlining is the buzzword. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a euphemism for, I mean, I, I had been hearing for a long time that Dubas wasn't happy with how things were getting done and whether that was, you know, some people said it would be, you know, the relationship with Shanahan's not good, but it it could also be the relationship with the board's not good. The relationship with ownership's not good. The way that the process is playing out. And I mean, the thing I would take issue with what you said off the top is that everything that happened, it was Kyle Dubas is doing. It's not. I mean, there were lots of things that in my interpretation, there were a lot of things that Dubas wanted to do that he couldn't do. And that's where the frustration was. And that's part of why it blew up. What do you so, think those things were? I mean, transactions, like mm-hmm. like changes to make to the team. You know, there were things that that he would try and do. And there's a cumbersome process to get it approved through Shanahan and get it through the, approved through the board. And there were things that were getting blocked or, you know, the other thing I was told is there wasn't just stuff getting blocked. There was stuff that he was being told to do that, that it wasn't his 
desire. It wasn't, it wasn't motivated by him. Yeah. Okay. So I do want to clarify that I didn't say everything was all his fault because I think, again, when you look at the failures of the Maple Leafs, and this is the strange part for me is that I think that Shanahan is culpable in a lot of this. Like he stapled his name to Kyle Dubas and now this departure between the two or the fact that there was a friction between the two. I'm just, I'm not surprised that two highly competitive guys with strong convictions who want to win had departures in philosophy at times. I guess my point with Dubas is that where are you going to go where you're going to be getting that complete autonomy from an ownership group? Like I, I know this varies to different degrees and whatever, but like I look at this guy, Matt Ishbia, who just bought the Phoenix Suns, right? And the Suns GM at the time when he took over was like, I think that this is too much to give up for Kevin Durant. And the owner goes, I don't care. Trade for Kevin Durant. Like, that's part of the gig. Like that's part of what sports are is that you are beholden to a boss. Like you don't like that. Then you better be Jerry Jones. Like there's one guy who doesn't need to answer to anybody and it's him. And actually he did answer to people. He answered to his son and to his people around him because he tried to draft Johnny Manziel and they basically had to tackle him. Yeah, at the podium. But, but the question though, JD is yeah. like, is it more cumbersome and more sure? James here and, and, it, and the answer is it is okay. I mean all anyone needs to do if, if people haven't like look up some of the stories that came out after the negotiation with Messiah and what happened there yeah because people in MLSE that I've talked to said you know you don't have to look that deep into what what's going on here okay you don't have to look that deep and and all that stuff is fair I just think from my standpoint I look at what the Maple Leafs had they were basically an organization where Dubas had had his fingerprints over just about everything, whether it was the coaching staff, whether it was the Marlies, whatever. Like I, I made the point about all the Sault Ste. Marie Greyhound guys because they were pervasive throughout this raw, uh, sorry, amongst this front office. They were pervasive on the roster. Like I just don't see the things that Kyle Dubas in terms of this roster that were massive that were things that he would have been forced to do. There's only a couple that I can really circle and go, okay, well, maybe he was pushed to do Felino. Well, we do have him on tape negotiating that deal and him looking pretty darn happy when he got Nick Felino. And it's like, okay, that was one first round pick that missed, but it's also a pretty excusable mistake considering that they're about to play the Montreal Canadiens and there was a consensus amongst fans that they needed to get grittier. They just didn't do enough of that. And Felino's back went out. And then what? It's like the Kadri trade. Like, is that what they're going to try to spin this into? Is that he never wanted to trade Nazem Kadri? Because I'll never believe that. Like, I just won't. I think, I think the big issue, JD, is yeah. that it, it, it they didn't the organization didn't plan on moving off of Kyle Dubas this offseason. Mm -hmm. Like, they they were not prepared for this. It's a big so one for me. They had to either cut ties with Dubas last year or give him some sort of extension and not. Cause this is this is probably the most pivotal off season that they're going to have with this core and everything. Like you got the extensions and you got to decide if you're breaking up the core for you. Gotta, like there's just a lot that has to happen, and to not have a GM, you know, four or five weeks before those things need to happen is is highly problematic. And I'm not going to sit here and be doom and gloom because I don't think we don't know what's going to happen. Maybe Brendan Shanahan hires an amazing general manager. Maybe he does. Maybe let's say maybe he gets Doug Armstrong and let's say Doug Armstrong comes in and, and nails this off season and does everything fantastic. Then it's fine to have this happen. But the, there's the potential for really, really significant 
things to happen to go wrong for the Leafs here that they're not going to be able to that they're not going to be able to recover from. Yeah, and and I think that's the the major fear people have, and you see that with the Matthew stuff, which we'll talk about in a second. I just there's clearly a ton of pressure on Brendan Shanahan right now. Like he's removed any like this is now no longer on Kyle Dubas. If Austin Matthews wants out or he won't sign a contract or things go south with some of the core and. You know, it was reported, it's been reported by a few people that Matthews isn't exactly thrilled about the situation. Um, I think you have it No, he loved Kyle Dubas. I mean, a lot of the players did. Right. But also, I saw CJ saying that Shanahan in his exit interviews has basically tried to communicate that he wants to run it back with these guys. Like, there's there's stuff there's stuff that's out there. I think there, that right? that's actually smart, though. I mean, like, to tell the players, like, hey, we really like you, and we're not going to, like... And then, you know, if you yeah. end up trading one of them, then then you do, right? A hundred percent. I think this is where I'm at with the, the timing stuff, is it's a devil you know versus the devil you don't. And yes, is there a ton of potential for this to go south? Yep, absolutely. But if you are a believer, and I am to an extent on this, I look at Kyle Dubas' resume and I say, I think he was a good GM, and I think that presented with the other names that have been floated out there so far, I think he's like the best of the group, especially given that he knows these guys and there was some stability there. But there was never like an indication that Austin Matthews was going to come back to the Toronto Maple Leafs on some type of a, a sweetheart deal because Dubas's vision, right? It was always, yeah, Matthews is going to come back, but guess what? It's going to be another deal exactly like this one. You go, all right. So then he's still kind of running the organization. All right, fine. I guess so. And then everything else beyond that seemed sort of murky. Like, all right, maybe he would have everything on the table, but whatever. But ultimately, like, this is not a guy who signed very good contracts, unless it was the bottom of the basement guys that have filled out some of the roster and it's been hit or miss there. And then when it comes to trades, I mean, the track record is right there. People can go look at it. Kyle Dubas is more in the loss ledger than he is in the W ledger when it comes to trades that are wins. And so for me, it's like, yeah, you were trading certainty, or more certainty anyways by keeping him the general manager. But that this part of the puzzle is not as concrete for me that him leaving and the chaos that's going to ensue for the next couple of weeks is like a certainty that the next guy can't come in here and just do as good of a job or no, an even better job, you know? Like, can. I just yeah. think that the degree of difficulty is extremely high 100%. and... It just, there's the potential here for it to go sideways in a really, really significant way. Yeah. And for next season to be clown show. But uh, we'll see. I mean, it's going to, Shanahan has to make a really good hire here. The GM has to come in and, and really do a nice job. You know, and it's not even just Matthews, which is the biggest thing, but mm. are you extending Nylander? You know, are you giving him, you know, a massive new contract? Are you keeping Marner? Like, are you, are you running it back? What are you doing with everything else that's happening on the roster? Mm-hmm. They're gonna, there's going to be holes all over the place, you know. And I think the thing, the thing I see from the fan base, at least the people that were that believed in Dubas, they just they felt comfortable. And and I should say too, I mean, the players that are sad to see him go, they felt comfortable that Dubas was going to be able to figure it out and that the team was going to stay competitive. Mm-hmm. And I think the in, in uncertainty that's introduced is what's the plan now and what's the roster going to look like? And the danger is that Nylander and Matthews are going to be like, you know what? I don't want to sign yet. I don't know who the coach is. Don't know what the roster is going to be. Let's just see how it goes. And let's say they start, let's say they don't have a great off season. They have a hard time filling some of the holes. The new guy is 
not quite doesn't have quite a good as good of an off season as Dubis did in the last two years. Uh, the team is more mediocre. Those guys might just be like, you know what? It feels like it's played out here. Mm-hmm. Can I put my full hat on for a second on this? Had seven, eight years in Toronto. Enjoyed my time. We were a good team. We didn't get it done. Now it feels like we're starting on a downswing, and it's time to do something else. Yeah. My only thing is, is that with all of that, like this really does center around the Matthews part of the equation because, all right, Dubas was here and and it was a near certainty that the Matthews extension was going to get done and now he might either do the Pasternak where he goes into the season and the Leafs have to risk it and potentially he leaves and it's a, a cataclysmic disaster. It just, it's just something that Toronto will never recover from. And let's put this out there. I agree with that. Like if they go into the season and Matthews and it's bad and he wants to walk and he ends up leaving in free agency for nothing, like he Tavares is the Leafs. Yeah, it's it, it's going to take them well, they'll just never recover. Like this will just go down as one of the worst things for a franchise that has not won since 1967, 100%. But like this is where the tinfoil hat comes in with the dubious part of things and you know, you mentioned how a lot of people were surprised, and I, I don't want to misquote you, but you were like, Dubas wasn't devastated that he didn't get the job, or what was the way that you, how would, how would you phrase it? Well, I know, I just don't, I'm, I don't think he was shocked that it played out this okay. way. Like, I don't think, you, you make a power play with, with this board yeah. and, and with Shanahan and where their relationship was at. Like, he had to know this was a potential outcome, so for this, sure. So this is why I don't think Dubas is a sympathetic figure here. Like, part of me goes, the, the biggest thing he lost is legacy because had he won with the Toronto Maple Leafs, he really does have a chance to be Theo Epstein to hockey, right? Like that's now on the table. The path to that now is kind of gone. Like let's say he goes to the Senators, he wins the Stanley Cup. It doesn't matter. That market is more Leaf fans and Sens fans. I lived there when they made it Stanley Cup run. It was really fun. Uh, They really did pack the downtown area. It was a great ride, but let's not get it twisted. It's like winning in Ottawa versus winning in Toronto is like a completely non-comparable thing. But here's why the power play made sense for Dubas when we're talking about overplaying his hand. Okay, so it goes his way. He has more autonomy. He gets more money, and he's locked up for a long time in a place where he has a very good core And yeah, he's got a lot of financial resources. He's making a ton of money. He gets to live where he wants to live. All the different stuff of being a Toronto Maple Leafs GM. He loses the power struggle. He immediately becomes a guy who, if he just plays it quiet, will be probably looked at as a sympathetic figure too, is that the way that he constructed this Leafs roster was really going to be difficult to navigate. People keep saying it like Dubas was just going to crack the code and figure this thing out. Like this wasn't easy no matter who the GM is. He had a month with Austin Matthews where Matthews has a ton of leverage. Like Marner has a ton of leverage. He's got a month before he can be traded and no no move clicks in. Like all these questions that people have in terms of the Leafs roster and what the future of it could be. It's like, yeah, how much better was this if Dubas was here? Like this was always a tricky situation. And so now he kind of gets to bail at sort of the perfect time where people could make huge mistakes, but... He could have ended up making mistakes that were just yeah. as big. Like no, I mean, it was going to be a difficult offseason no matter what. Right. Sure. Like look at the lineup. Look at you mentioned they got nine well, guys who played for them in the playoffs that are unrestricted free agents right now. Plus they got to move the Matt Murray deal and figure out what Samsonov's contract's going to be. Like the idea that Dubas was just going to magically figure out all of these guys when most people are saying that none of these free agents they're going to be able to resign because of their expense. They'll try with a couple, but ultimately they're all going to be out of their price range. Like. I think that this roster could have taken a step back with or without Kyle Dubas. Like, it's pretty clear that, yeah, that could have easily been the case. They don't have a depth in their minor leagues. They don't have 
a bunch of guys that are sitting in the wings waiting. They got Pontus Holmberg, right? Matthew Nyes. The rest is pretty much who ha- who has any clue. Like, he put them in this position. Like, he's the guy that put them here, and then everyone's like, look at this horrible offseason. It's like, and the architect of it gets to walk away and be like, good luck without me. It seems a little strange to me. I mean, it makes sense in some respects, doesn't it? I mean... <laughs> So I'm saying that's the tinfoil hat where he's like, yeah, there, there, there are some people around the team who are concerned that, like I said, that maybe it's over or like, maybe they're not going to be able to keep the train going. And I'm not saying that that's for sure because we need to see what they do this off season. But you know, is, is this, is this like the fall of Rome or whatever? I mean, Rome's probably not the right analogy. Cause they, they Rome never, did stuff. <laughs> yeah. they, they, did they never, they never won the championship. Right? Like, yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah. Is, this, is this the fall of, I don't know what's a lesser empire that we don't talk about, <laughs> yeah. you know, but uh, you know, that like, I don't know. How many more years can you keep this going as a contending team that gets 110 points in the regular season? I mean, yeah, like realist. Yeah. Well, I'm not. I'm not saying and loses. Like you know, the, the people talk. The run it back people talk about. Like all you got to do is just be like Washington or Tampa and just get there over and over and over again. And one year you're going to break through. And generally speaking, I agree with that. Like it happened for Washington. It happened for St. Louis. It does happen where like you hang around for a long mm-hmm. time and Ovechkin wins the cup at 33 years old. But I, I just think you look at the prospect pool that the Leafs have, and you look how many picks they've traded and. Unfortunately, the what happened with Amarov and um, the age of the roster, like this is an old team now. And all signs point to like, yeah, you want to bring Matthews back and yeah, you want them to be a contender for another, let's say two or three years. I think that's a realistic window because it, it just feels very unlikely that they're going to be able to keep this team perpetually a, a contender. It feels like you got a, a few more shots at it here and that's that might be it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I just, I just don't see a way to realistically round out the roster this time around without moving one of these guys. Um, I just, I, I don't think that the blue line is good enough, and that's the story that people have probably overlooked to a certain degree. They tried it out, but it could be better. I, I think that Riley has proven enough to say you probably would like to pair him with someone uh, with a little bit more upside and see what can happen there if you can create a better partnership. And then, yeah, you've got a lot of other pieces that have to move. And I just, yeah, I, I, I think that for Dubas, there's a, there's a positive outcome here in that he will at least have mystery around what he could have done with this Maple Leafs team with one more contract. And that will benefit him moving forward because I just think it was tricky even if he had stayed here that there were a lot of questions oh, yeah. beyond just, you know, the Matthews contract getting done. That being said, I will say this. I, I am lockstep with you in the sense of, I think the most frustrating part for Leaf fans and for anybody that's looking at this rationally is for someone to be your GM candidate from the trade deadline on and for you to have the faith that you're going to get things done and then for there to be such a strong departure over a couple of days, that's the part of the story that needs more light. You know, like that's the part of the story that you just, you want to hear both sides and you want to hear them lay it out exactly what happened because yeah, just it feels like, two guys that got emotional and now it's not working in the best interest of the organization. And I think that's the scariest part, but yeah, now that we're looking at the field and you mentioned it. Um, all right. Say they get Doug Armstrong. That's the name that's out there that everyone can agree on is a good name, right? That's a good general manager. He's one, 
but I read yesterday, I think it was Andy Strickland is his name, is the guy that does the podcast. He said that there's yeah, he no... Yeah, he does have, an, does have an out clause in his contract, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know what the machination is to get Doug Armstrong here, but it feels like a bit of a long shot. I know that this is such a big job that names will likely emerge over the next little while, but again, they're working on a pretty tight timeline here. Where are you at just in terms of the field today? Well, I mean, part of the hope was going to be they announced that Dubas is gone and all of a sudden Brendan Shanahan's phone starts ringing and it's like some really interesting names. Like potentially there's a team president or a GM with another organization. What you talked about, if you win here, what it is, everyone knows that in the NHL. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing that drew Brian Burke here in 09. You remember, like he he walked away. It was November. He left yeah. the Ducks. He had just he won the, the cup there. He was the guy. And he broke his deal. I thought, but he, I'm pretty sure he must have had an out in his contract. But it was like November, and he walks away from the team he just won the cup with because he wanted to run the Leafs. He wanted to win with the Leafs. And we we know how that played out. But what the you know probably what Shanahan's looking for here is like maybe there's somebody who's really good that's like, you know what? My team is, I don't think we have it. That team looks like it's a contender, and it's Toronto, and I can get in, go in there and get big money on a five-year deal. Even if I don't have full autonomy, that's a better situation than where I am now. And the upside is so high that I want to take a shot at it. So whether it's Doug Armstrong or someone we're not thinking of right now, I think that's probably the best case scenario for the Leafs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the worst case scenario is you hire someone, you hire, hire Peter Shirelli or something, and it's a, it's a mess. But I, I don't think that's a realistic outcome here. I think, you know, they've got the Brad Tree living thing on the table. He's been talked about for a long time. I've been hearing his name connected to the Leafs since trade deadline, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he would be fine. You know, I've been I've been hearing from a lot of people this weekend saying, you know, Brett Trevlin's actually like, he's actually pretty solid. And so um, there's a chance that that could work. Mm-hmm. There's a chance that that could work, that Brad Trevlin can come in here and win over some hearts and minds and get some extensions done and make some good moves and bring in some players and they can have a good team next year. I mean, that's that's on the table as an option. Mm-hmm. All I know about tree living is that every single person that has worked either as a player under him or has been connected to him has just glowing things to say about yeah. the guy, right? Like you're probably getting the same thing. I don't know what that turns into as a general manager and there's disputes as to how things fell out in Calgary and the degree in which he did a great job there. But yeah, like from a human being standpoint, I think that there is at least something to the fact that he's extremely likable if we're playing that same chit in the Dubas camp. You know what I mean? Where it's like guys really liked Dubas and they trusted Dubas. I do think that it seems anyways that tree living has that effect on people as well. Yeah. And from what I am told, quite a bit of what happened in Calgary was it was messy there too. Like there was, there was a lot of stuff going on yeah. there behind the scenes that wasn't great. And, you know, he decided to walk away. He decided, you know what, I, I don't, I don't want to come back. And the reason was some of what was going on there. So it's, it's hard to evaluate his tenure entirely in Calgary, given, I don't think he didn't have full autonomy either. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's, so he's, yes. he's managed in, he's managed in difficult situations in the past. Um, and the the he would have to come in and kind of mend a fractured front office here and and get some consensus and get some people on board and I think that potentially with his personality and his experience he might be able to do that. 
then, you know, the big question is like, can he, can he kind of find some of like the hidden gems and can he fill out the roster and can he see the things you're talking about that it needs? Like, can he see that the blue line needs, or is he just going to be more of a caretaker and kind of just keep what's here and just, you know, fill in around the edges a little bit and cross his fingers that it's, the team's going to be as good as last year. Yeah. I don't think that any GM would want to do that because if that's what would happen is Dubas would get all the credit. <laughs> like, It'd be like, look at the guy they kicked out of town here and this guy just inherited these good players and rolled it back over and that was the Dubas plan all along, right? I almost think that, yeah, part of the appeal here is that you do, it's it's terrifying that you'd have to make one of these big moves or that this big move would be pending, but that ultimately the reward would be that you they, they needed you. You were the guy they needed. Because so many times when someone inherits a roster, like we credit the former GM and we go, hey, like I remember, like think about even with Shapiro and Atkins with the Blue Jays. I don't know how close you follow baseball and like we've ever had a baseball conversation, but like with Vladdy, people were going, yeah, that, was, that wasn't Shapiro and Atkins, right? And there was debate over Bo for a really long time. And now, only now are we into being like, no one talks about Anthopolis. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, I think that there's a little bit of upside for that GM. Anyways, last thing before you go, I know we got to run here. What do you think is the most likely outcome with Austin Matthews today? What do I think is going to happen? I mean, yeah. What do you think is the most likely outcome? Not what you think is going to happen. Uh, most likely outcome. Uh, I think it's, it's probably real close either way, but I, I think the most likely outcome is kind of like a short term contract or some sort of like mild commitment before July 1st. No, there's no chance. No way. There's no chance. It's not going to happen. Like it's going to be, it's going to be a pastor nag. Mm-hmm. Like you're, it's going to have to be on faith or you're going to have to trade them. And I just don't think that I can't trade them. They're not going to. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like, and I think that Matthews knows that. So he wants to see what this looks like. He wants to see like, who's the coach and like, who am I playing with? And like, is this team still good? And do I want to commit to it? Mm-hmm. I think you plead with him and go, listen, this is the best. He's got all the leverage, so you literally are pleading to him. But I think that your only reasonable option is to say, listen, um, will you, if if things are going south and you're not going to resign by the trade deadline, will you at least be open? Like, will you give us a list of teams? And I, I think that's the best you can hope for now because you're not trading Austin Matthews in a month. Like, that's that's off the table. And I know some people want it, and they question paying Matthews 15 a season on a five-year deal. Like, I get it. I, I know what people are clamoring about, but you, you just, as disappointing as these runs have been, you don't trade the best players in the league. Like, it just, you just don't do that. <laughs> like, look what... Well, uh, who's the last sixty-goal scorer that's been traded in the no, league? It's just yeah. Well, it, I don't, I don't, I don't know if there is. Is there one? <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't, I don't think that there's. Like again, I've said this all the time. It's kind of a staple of the show, but. The history of the league suggests that the greatest players win. The best guys who never won a cup are Lindros, Injuries, and Marcel Dion. And then you can go through it and tell me who you think is better than those two guys, but go ahead. The history of the league is you run, like the, the whole thing about the core, James, like the thing where you go Washington, they run it back, they run it back. It's like, no, it's like these teams had some of the greatest players who ever lived. And eventually those great players seem to find a way. They well, get one run. Washington and they didn't run it back too. They ran back no, no, like they two ran. or three guys. Exactly. Like if you go back and look like at their core back. Yeah. Like if you look at their core in the years they didn't win, they had like Alex Semin and a bunch yes. of these guys there. Like they changed GM. They changed coaches. Like they did all kinds of different stuff around Alex Ovechkin. It's just that. Dennis Weidman in their like top D pair. And like, yes. and then Thomas Volkun was their goalie. Like they didn't run it back. Like there was a lot of things that changed. A hundred percent. It's just, it's about having that great player. And so to me, the formula is clear. You, you got to keep Austin Matthews, even if the terms of the agreement are not 
in your favor, which it doesn't seem that there's any outcome in which they will be. Uh, James Myrtle, Senior Managing Editor at The Athletic. Great stuff. Um, I have a feeling that we'll be talking again quite soon, even though you are headed out to the Mem Cup. So wake up early. Hey, I, yeah, I can talk from there. Yeah. I, I got to, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you'll, fine. You'll be all right. All right. Thanks, James. See you later, buddy. Okay. There he goes. Thanks, James JD. Myrtle. All right. We got to take a break. But before we do, just need to mention again, natural news. Botano Best Pet. Perfect week last week. Perfect week last week. Um, Nine of my last ten for Botano. Okay? I actually almost feel bad because they pay money to the show and then I just pill for them for the people. So, yeah, the Botano Best Bet is next. Sportsnet 590, The Fan. All right, it's time for Best Bets, brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, the 2022 Global Sports Betting Operator of the Year. The amount of testimonials I get about this book are endless at this point. Because like I said, I tell people all the time, hey, reach out in the DMs, fire it up, send me the winning slips, let me know if you want to play. It's a great, great book with a million different offerings. Again tonight, I always should have Jobo tell me the how many things can you for what for Heat Celtics. Oh, and guess what? Yeah, you do a little same game parlay, which I do on all these games. And last night, oh my god, last night I missed out on Rui Hachimura on a same game parlay by two points. He was three of twelve, and he had ten points at I think half or right at the beginning of the start of the third quarter. Yeah. Really tough. Really tough, man. Sitting there sour. But tonight, my Botano best bet, of which the streak, nine of my last ten, that's fine. I'm sure a lot of you do the exact same. I think you're probably all doing just as well. I like Caleb Martin over one and a half threes. Man's been deadly from long range. And the last three games against the Celtics, he's been three of seven, three of seven, four of seven. Maybe there's some regression there, but the kid looks not lights out. I don't know why his number is only at one and a half, so I'm grabbing it right now. Caleb Martin over one and a half three-pointers made. That is your Botano best bet of the day. Head over to the podcast portion, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, because we're doing more there. John All right, start thoughts? the pod. Hey, this, this can be the start of the podcast. This is this like literally this part right now that I'm saying. All right, <laughs> Austin, what do, you, what do you want to talk about with John Schneider? Guy doesn't even know the rules. Dude, you have one job, do it. Okay. <laughs> I, I am a hand up John Schneider guy. I'm part of Schneider's porch. I don't know. It's like, <laughs> I, I try. It's like Luke's troops, but this the baseball was, version. Yeah, this, this wasn't, this wasn't the best weekend for John. The only thing is, is like, this is what I'm talking about with the bullpen is the manager always looks dumb when the bullpen sucks. Because you go to crappy bullpen arms and it's like, this is this guy's fault. Why didn't he do this? And you go, what else did you want him to do? Mm-hmm. The mound visit thing, though, Austin? I, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. I you think, think he wanted Manoa out of there? Yeah. I, I think, he, why would he go out? I think he went out and he was like, this guy's done. And then Manoa was going to put up a fuss. And then he had the perfect excuse of being like, oh, well, dummy me forgot that uh, I have to take you out now. It was kind of a perfect way. Dude, think about it this way. Manoa was rolling for the first time in forever, right? He had sucked before that start. Yeah. Finally, he's doing good stuff, but now he's in a leverage spot. Games on the line. You clearly want to get a bullpen arm in there. 
He was only at what, like 80 some pitches? 80 some pitches. I thought it was because he talked crap to the Orioles player when he went to the bench. And Shiner's like, stop doing that, man. Well, They've talked to him about that. Like, they don't want him talking so much anymore. I don't know. I kind of like it when he's talking that talk. That means just, hey, he's oh, a big I man, like big it energy. Too. I don't think the Blue Jays like it, is what I'm saying. Listen, I think they like it when he's striking suckers out Good and point. winning the ball games. I think they don't like it when he sucks yeah. and they're going, now everyone's clowning on you, dunking on you, making this worse. I just. I think he knew, and then he walked away and was like, oh, let's have a conversation. It was just, I'm trying mm. to spin it this way, okay? Mm. I'm trying to spin it this way. And here's the good news for John Schneider is that he's not Joe Missoula, okay? Have you guys ever <laughs> seen a coach in any sport make it this far who is just clearly ju- not over ready? Oh, my God. <laughs> I feel so bad for Joe Missoula. I'm watching him out there, and I just go, someone, please, something work out for this guy. And then he admits he watches the town. Four times a week. Four times a week. Yeah. The only thing I can relate that to is Ray Lewis claimed that he watched Gladiator before every football game. Every game. Which is the the best. And he had the sword in his house. The Gladiator sword. And he could rip off the Marcus Aurelius Husband to a murdered wife. <laughs> He's the man. Ray Lewis, the man. He had the sword in his house. You walk into Ray Lewis's house and the gladiator sword is right there and he starts ripping lines, right? Oh, this is Ray Lewis. Like, there's nothing you could sick. say. sick. It fits too, yeah. right? Joe Missoula watches the town. It's the Boston mindset, Dude, he said. This is, this, no, but this, that's what I'm saying. Boston mentality is what, that's what I'm saying. He's, he's so, he's so desperate. And he knows he's so hated in Boston that he's like, I really like the town. I watch it four times a week. That's what you say. That's like a Tim Robinson sketch, right? Like, that's like you show up at a Boston party. You're like, I love the town. I watch it four times a week. People are like, okay. All right. Sick. Yeah. This is LeCap. Cool, that's dude. something LeBron would say. LeCap. I, yeah, LeCap would say. Speaking of LeCap, LeCap was LeCapping yesterday, too. He, he was. He was LeCapping hard with this whole retirement thing. Stop should it, I, Should I read the exact quote? Yeah, read it. So it was the last answer of his press conference yesterday. We'll see what happens going forward. I don't Which know. Which he brought up, by the way. Yes. Yeah. He said, I don't know. I've got a lot to think about, to be honest. Just for me personally, going forward with the game of basketball, got a lot to think about. Yeah. Okay. LeCap. He's not retiring. This guy just cannot stand no attention. He just cannot handle it. Bronny's at the prom, stealing yeah. the fit shine. Got the chrome hearts fit. This is too much. Too much, Bronny. I know you're LeBron's son. What else are you supposed to do? When I looked at that outfit, I was like, okay. Stop flexing, man. Come on. He's like got kind of a prince look. It's the rock and yeah. roll star look. What's well, the full chrome hearts? He's got the silver cross and everything. Right on. Uh, anyways, I would probably do it if I was Bronny. <laughs> so would I. <laughs> I'd probably so would I. I was hating because I can't, you know. <laughs> yeah, hating because I can't afford us. it. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, if I imagine me wearing that outfit, my body. I would in pay there. to see that. Oh, dude, it would be bad. <laughs> Just pasty white pouring out of that. No thanks. So anyway, he has the. How many points did LeBron have in the first half of that game? Thirty-one. 30 career points. high. Yeah. His previous career high was thirty. Yeah. Before that. And then guess what? Old man River gassed out hard. He could not do anything in the second half. He was just chucking up threes, praying. Yeah. Not going to the rack. Was not he was attacking done. at all. He was done. <laughs> I can't say what I was going to say. <laughs> uh, anyway, <laughs> it was an incredible first half I performance. Saw it yes, it was. Defense. It was awesome. But this is the only part of LeBron 
Like, I'll give this a little bit of fine, LeBron. Fine, LeBron. We'll give you what you so desire, which is talking about you. Not Nikolai Jokic, who whooped your ass four straight games and is the actual best player in the NBA now. Good no questions point, asked. JD. No questions asked. And Mike Malone, who's been pissed off all series about how the Nuggets don't get enough respect. <laughs> LeCap went to the podium and was like, maybe I'll just leave. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> Say stuff about my team. You know, he's so mad. He can't believe LeCap stole his moment again. Anyways, okay. So LeCap, LeCapin, a couple things from this. Yes, he needs the attention. He needs the spotlight to be on him. He wants it a little bit longer. He doesn't want people talking about the fact that he got swept. He doesn't want people talking about that he gassed out in that second half. He wants people doing this. So fine, we'll do it, LeBron. We'll discuss how your team blew a big lead and you got swept and Jokic just put you in the body bag. Yep. And I love to LeBron was like, this is the best team we've ever played. And so that's why they swept us. And I was like, okay, man. <laughs> so LeCap is talking about Le- Le- retiring because, yeah, we know why. We know why. We know LeBron. We know we've had... I, I, LeBron and I have been doing this for a long time. <laughs> Put yourself <laughs> Me in the watching same. him and him playing the game. <laughs> We've been doing this now since I was in high school. All right. When I got a cover of him on a sports illustrated magazine with Seb Telfair. All right. We've been, <laughs> we've been at this a while. Him and I, I, I know the LeBron beats. I was even a little surprised though, that he pulled this one out of the bag. But then I thought afterwards, I went, ah, no, he's desperate to twist the media narrative. And, and he wants to be, it's like, this is what all people who want attention do, right? They, they're like, this is a literally the move of a teenage girl. Maybe I just won't be here anymore. <laughs> and runs away. This is a child move. I'll run away. <laughs> That's what LeBron did. <laughs> Ultimate attention move. Not going to work. But here's why you have to give it a little bit of credit. Maybe LeBron playing in that game, who is dominant 31 points in the first half, and can't do anything in the second half, essentially, mm-hmm. and who gets stuffed on two straight possessions to try to close the game. One where he just does like some weird fadeaway that hits like the side of the backboard yeah. and doesn't do anything. And then the other one where just like Jamal Murray of all people. Yeah. I listen, I love Jamal Murray. He's great. <laughs> He's local guy ish. Uh, awesome. Yeah. But Jamal Murray swatting LeBron. To be fair, Aaron Gordon was there too. So what? He's in the vicinity. He gets the ball on it. And normally, young Braun, ah, I shouldn't even say this is a young because he's probably like almost three strong. years ago, LeBron, man. He's just like, going through that. He's getting a foul call. Like yeah. he's he's steamrolling. He gets ahead of steam. He's getting to the basket. And Jamal Murray puts his hand on a basketball and he can't get the ball to go in the basket. Yeah. Old man who can't get it up. You know? <laughs> well done. Anyways. Well done. You got there and uh, it was appropriate. Anyways, <laughs> LeBron couldn't get it up. <laughs> just a fact. <laughs> It's just a fact. And three years ago, he was getting it up no problem in that was. exact same situation. Now, that exact same situation. So, I do wonder, you know how we talk about Tiger Woods, even mm-hmm. though Tiger's still playing, so it kind of dispelled this theory to a certain degree, how it was like, dude, he's not going to suck. He's not going to He's not gonna hang around to suck. Yeah. I wonder if LeBron at least had a little thought of that. Like, But he I, doesn't suck. No, he doesn't suck. He doesn't suck. Yeah. But I don't know if he wants to have... LeBron's going to be good no matter how old he plays. Like, he's going to be an above-average player. He'd have to be, like, 45 years old, straight up. Yeah. Just the brain that the guy has. Yeah. He's going to be a, a above-average player. Although, I did think he was selfish taking that shot. He should have kicked it. It should have been a wide-open shot for Rui that was right there for my mm. bet to hit. 
<laughs> so is it selfish because of the basketball but play it was or also, because you wanted your bet was, to hit? Buddy, trust me. Whenever I have a bet, it's like that's when I become the king of the tape where I know exactly where someone – you know when they do like NFL yeah. breakdowns of like look at the slot here. It's like, yeah, that's me when I have a receiver who needs one more <laughs> you catch. You have a bet like, riding on and it. And then this guy ran the – like, yeah, he ran the post. <laughs> People are like, wow, he's really on top of the game. It's like, yeah. Like, no, I was, like, no, I was locked in on my one guy who I needed for a bet. But, yeah, I just – I wonder if there's a little bit of the go out on top thing with LeBron and he mentioned how conference finals don't do anything for him anymore. And I just, what's the path to win now? What's the path to win? I like, I don't think it's there with the Lakers anymore. Yeah. They, their best case scenario is sort of running back that exact same team. Jokic ain't going anywhere. What's he going to do? Go to the East? No, he's going to leave. He's going to leave the Lakers. Like, I, I just, I don't know what the, like he's got the scoring title now, right? Like yeah. he got, he passed that. He's got all those things. Like he's got rings, MVPs. I, I wonder if he if he finishes out this contract with the Lakers and then plays one year with his son. Yeah, but everyone, leaves. but everyone says that. But it's like, that's what I'm saying. Why it's a little bit of something is that his son mm-hmm. is now at least a year away. Yeah, at least. Yeah. So that's one more year. LeBron's got to put on the tires. It's one more year where he potentially gets hurt and has to, you know, fight through it. And then his son gets drafted and then what? He's a free agent who just goes and plays on the bench potentially somewhere or like, you all right, Joe? You choke on your own spit, you idiot. Like, <laughs> way to go. He was excited. He's like, he can play with his son. <laughs> Choking worse than LeBron. Anyways, oh my goodness. Yeah, try I'm to good. live, Joe. I'm good, I'm good. All right, be a professional. Allergies, <laughs> a, allergies. Yeah, it wasn't allergies. It was you just trying to <laughs> breathe know. poorly. Anyway, I that, that was the only thing that kind of kicked into my head. Anyway, I'm going to have Blake Murphy tomorrow in studio for the hour. So I'll do a little bit more on James future and more on the just nuggets in general. Cause I, I, I want to do them justice. I want to talk about Jokic more with him and just how nasty Jokic is like, man, that one, three, he hit the step back at the end of the buzzer. I know some of them are like really fluky where he's just, do you like, think those are heaves, man? Or is he, dude. is that intentional? The summer shuffle as my roommate was calling it. Okay. Well, I think some of them are definitely like there was one that was just a clear where, where prayer. he hit the shot clock. Yeah, 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 that yeah. was a heave, right? But but the one where he stepped back that they had to they ruled a two initially and that they turned into a three. I'm like, nah, man, mm-hmm. this big man he he can drain it. Like he he's so money, dude. Yeah, Jokic is just so so nasty. Twenty points in the second half. I love this. It's incredible. Again, this is my favorite thing because I'm on the right side of history with it. Where I thought Jokic was MVP. And all the Embiid people were like, he's <laughs> never done anything in the playoffs. And now Embiid's at home again. They're like, wait. Jokic just swept LeBron. What have we done in the playoffs? <laughs> it's like, nothing. You've never done anything. You lost know? to a Hawks team that you were better than. He, Joel. He, he's, hey. at, he's at least been to two conference finals. You've been to none. <laughs> but whatever. It's fine. Shh, 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 Only MVP to never yeah. go to the conference finals. Yeah, anyways, yeah. By the probably way. never will because you're kind of a loser. <laughs> kind of a Toronto Maple Leaf. You remind me of everything. Maybe <laughs> Actually, that was the thing about Celtics loss. Quickly. They reminded me big time of the Leafs. Big time. They, You know how I do losers like the Leafs segment where it's like, hey, when does a loser remind me of the Leafs, which is bad because that's what the Leafs remind me of or other teams it's remind dangerous me. territory. I go, oh, man, losers. Jason Tatum had a lot of like Jason yeah. Tatum and Jalen Brown were basically Matthews and Marner in that heat <laughs> game where it was like turnovers and not enough shots and not taking over the game. And it's like, why is Al Horford so important here? Why is Al Horford taking another three? Why is Marcus Smart trying is to take a pressure? Did you guys hear Marcus minutes? Smart's trash talk? We beat y'all last year. 
Like, Mark, <laughs> all you do is talk, dude. Like, what are you, oh what are you talking about? We peaked out last year. Dude, that's on. They, they picked that up, Marcus. You got to retire. <laughs> it's on the Mount Rushmore of bad chirps. We beat you that one time. Okay. It's like sick, dude. You're down three, nothing. He's whooping your ass. Jimmy Butler's taking, he's doing the fake timeouts and Al Horford's face. No oh. respect. He's talking trash to Grant. No respect. <laughs> I, this, this finals is going to be really hard for me because I love Jokic yeah. so much. Yeah. Like it's just such a unique basketball experience and just so much of what he does and the pace in which he does it is so such a unique person. Yeah, man. Too. I just, I, just, and I also love, like, I loved when Giannis won with the Bucks too, because he was yeah. becoming the best player in the NBA and how do you do it? He hit, remember he's like, stopped being tentative and he started knocking down free throws and he just yeah. had a perfect game where he put the defense together and the offense and he yeah. went, man, this is a guy who's right in his peak and he's winning and Jokic feels like that. But also how can you root against Jimmy talking this way? And doing these things yeah. and being such a gremlin. I love it. <laughs> and the heater saying, like, take us there 22. Yeah, the NBA, the whole thing the is NBA awesome. hates it from a market standpoint, but from an individual star standpoint, I just absolutely love it. Anyways, yeah. I'll, do, I'll do more NBA tomorrow with Blake, but I'm in a great uh, basketball for two series that are likely going to be sweeps. And I think Miami cleans it up tonight because I think Boston is losers and Missoula is going to be out there. He's going to be like, you know, there is a chance. Let's that. just go watch the town. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, the town is on TNT. <laughs> In an hour, we can make it. We we it's on Peachtree TV. We could we can make it. They don't edit out that much. You'd be surprised. It's pretty good. I Four got the, times in a week. I got the DVDs. No, I know it's dude. That's insane. Especially since we have so much sick TV now. Yeah. Right. Like there's so the much on TV. Are, there's millions that you can watch. My brother was just in town, and you know we were out quite a bit. But when hmm. we'd be like hanging out on the couch during the day. Like yeah. before we'd be going out, just flipping through, he'd be like telling me about some shows that he'd been watching. I was like, damn, I got to get on this one. Like I'm not up to, I'm I'm not up to speed on like four or five big time six shows. Yeah. And like I said, I, I can't do spoilers and I'm not going to, so mm-hmm. don't worry. You don't have to turn off the podcast, but I just will say that the succession this week made no sense. It's letting right? me down. It's letting me down. JD. It just, it, they, they blew it. In my mm. opinion, it's going to be really hard for them to recover in the final episode. No spoilers, but they blew it. And Interesting. It makes no sense. It makes the second half of that episode. It, just sit there. No spoilers. Just think about it. Like think about all the characters <laughs> no and like their motivations and like why that all of a sudden makes sense. It feels like the end of Game of Thrones. Remember when it was like, this is what happens with these great HBO series. Sometimes they rush the endings, right? The end mm. of Game of Thrones. It was like every season was like. How many seasons did it take for Bran to get to the wall? Or Arya to go across all Western? Yeah, it was like, oh, uh, the whole show is this guy <laughs> traveling like 45 feet. <laughs> Literally. And they were like, it's three seasons of this. And then the end is like, and then they're over here. And then the dragons, all the dragons are like the most high speed thing ever. You should see how fast these dragons are. <laughs> and the army keeps up because somehow they do it. Don't worry about it. No, it's they're fine. really good horse riders. Don't ask yeah, any yeah, more questions. They're there. They're all around. They're, they're zipping around. Enough questions. Yeah. It's, don't, don't ask any questions. And it just felt rushed, right? All of a sudden the season, uh, the episodes were like bang, 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 bang. Everything was just condensed. That's how succession felt to me in the second half of the last episode where I was like, whoa, where did all, how did this all come to be? This just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, succession, hot seat. Uh, JD Mello retiring too, talking about the nuggets and everything. I love that. Do you have any thoughts on Mello or uh, what's your favorite mellow memory? When did you stay mellow? Do you know what my favorite mellow memory is? Well, one is 
I was in grade 11 when he won at Syracuse. And that was one of my very first, like I watched as a kid, Arizona, and I would care mm. about Arizona in the tournament. Like Steve Kerr teams. No. Uh, Richard Jefferson, what? Richard Jefferson, Luke Steve Walton. Kerr? How old do you think I am? <laughs> I was about to say, Dude, like, that's before. I'll kill you. Got you. Good, you got a good skin, skin care routine. I'm going to kick you in the chest after Listen, this show. Richard Jefferson. <laughs> no, like, Luke I'm old. I was like, what? No. I could see Jade, like, the gears and Jay's head like, being like, wait a minute. Dude. How, how old? Yeah, he played in the 80s. That's my bad. I hate you. Yeah, no, fair, fair. Anyways, no. <laughs> when I was a little kid. Like a little kid, my uncle went to Arizona, and it coincided with him watching the tournament and me catching Mike Bibby. Bibby. And they won, and I loved it, and it was sick. It was really like a formative childhood experience. So anyways, I used to watch Arizona, but then Mello, that was one of the, that was one of the first years where like I watched the whole tournament as like a halfway decent sports fan. Cause that's the thing. Like you fall in love with sports as a kid, but then you really start to think about, that's why it's the worst when Jobo tries to give takes and he's like, Oh, it was eight. And it's like, dude, shut up. Wait, what, did I say? what do I say? I was like, Oh, it was eight. And I was watching the league. like, shut uh, up. Yeah. Anyone was like, I'm a leaf fan since I was eight. It's like, you don't know anything when you're a kid. You're just like, you capture a couple memories and you know who you like. And that matters. But in terms of like giving an opinion on the actual team, like, or whatever, it's like, all right, come on, chill, chill out. <laughs> Especially when like 10 years later, guys are trying to give, their memory of the time. You're like, no, no, you have these small condensed memories, but yeah, yeah mellow screenshots in my yeah, head. Mellow with the hair and how nasty he was at cues and how just, he was going to the NBA the same year as LeBron. And you went, mm. this guy's got to go number two. Right. And then he didn't, it was Darko. And so that'll always be the thing for me. And then the other thing with Mellow that I'll always remember outside of just like the success in Denver and like him and AI, which was cool, like a cool minute there at the end of AI's career, him and George Carl feuding, Chauncey uh, Billups and him. Yeah. But yeah. And how you just felt like they were those horrible jerseys, but that all like terrible white guys at Coachella <laughs> like to wear. J.R. Smith on that team. Kenny and Martin yeah. too. Going through. Yeah, those, yeah, no, were good, were, those were fun teams. But I'll always remember is that he went to New York right at the time where coming home happened. Mm. Yeah. He and did that was song. such yeah. an awesome moment. When he went back to New York and they ran that thing that I'm coming home video with Mello and it was like, I'm back where I belong. And then the yeah. lights hit and you were like, Oh man, this is so sick. And then I, as a leaf fan, I was like, when will a leaf do this? <laughs> and then also I thought, when will the Sonics do this? It's just like you weirdly, you, everyone really wants that moment of the, you know, the son who came yeah. home and Mello did the damn thing. Such a thing. good song, too. The only thing that sucks is that tied into hit that memory is that he was going to do it anyways, and he still made them fork over all those assets to Masai Ujiri, who dealt Mello. Mm-hmm. little Toronto spice there for people. But Masai basically made a lot of his bones off of that Mello trade where people were freaking out because they just gave over way too much stuff. And yeah, none of it turned out to be too crazy. Like It was like Gallo went in that trade, Mozgov went in that trade... I think a first Tyson Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler. Yeah. Wilson Chandler was the other one. Anyway, I just, yeah. Yeah. Part of Melo's legacy was making Masai Ujiri. Now I'm talking about it. It's like making, helping make Masai Ujiri who he was. It Anyways, all comes back to the Raptors. I was always a mellow guy. <laughs> I was always a mellow guy. I loved Melo. And I think that Dirk really stole the, like the, the Dirk fadeaway where he was like within 15 feet and he was just a nasty jump shot that he could create separation. Melo also had that but we'll never remember Mello for just like how smooth he was in that area because Dirk was like overlap with him and Dirk took the, like takes the crown for that. 
Also, Hoodie Mellow. Anyways, enough Hoodie Mellow. mellow. <laughs> yeah, Hoodie Mellow. Just on the wants. Mellow trade, though, JD, the 2014 first-round pick they got from the Knicks turned into Jamal Murray. Yeah, nice. So it's, wow. uh, it, all, it all comes full circle. See, it was a lot. Raymond Felton was also a nice Poor Knicks. It's like even when they win, they lose. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, anyways. The team is all cursed. Right, give me one more topic, and then I got to go do Argos, Vancouver New Radio. Sure. I tagged in it on, on, on Twitter by Andy Gold 61 Shout out. Thank you for Shout tagging out me on that. Andy Gold. Yeah, so the Argos unveiled their new jerseys. They got... Jobo, of course. I'm like, one more topic. He's like, oh, jersey talk. To be fair, you did say you wanted to hit on it. Sure. Before we started the podcast portion. I hate baby blue. Yeah, you really what? You I, hate the baby blue? Yeah, it's candy ass, but not on the Argos. Mm. On the Argos is nasty. Oh, Kyle Dubas just released a statement. Read it to me. I figured you sorry, guys had sorry. It. This is ten twenty. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kyle Dubas just released a statement. Ten twenty. This came out. All right, from Kyle Dubas. While I uh-huh. understand there is interest surrounding the circumstances of my departure, I will not get into the specifics of what I consider sure. to be a reasonable and consistent but private discussions. All right. In the days mm. that I felt I needed oh. to assess and evaluate my own view of the future, uh, both with respect to necessary direction of the club and ensuring that I had the full support of my family for Come what on, I dude. knew would be required for the offseason and years to follow. The organization, Bro. as they have a right to do, decided to go in a different direction. Okay, we got to stop with the family stuff. I, we know you care about your family, but like you tendered an offer a couple of days later, and now you're interviewing with Pittsburgh. So the like, statement <laughs> is released by the Dubis family as the, well. Uh, yeah, sure. I, we get it. Like they're really playing this up again. Y- fine, whatever, man. It just, I, I just, I, I hate the whole martyr angle of this. Like, I just wanted time for me and my family. It's like, okay, you gave a contract offer two days later. So it was seemed like it went over well with them and they gave you that time. And also you had that time for months when they issued the contract offer. Like, I'm sorry. There was, there's posturing to this. Like he's interviewing with Pittsburgh. All right. When people are like, oh, you took Brendan Shanahan at his word. It's like, yeah, some of you guys are like taking Kyle Dubas fully at his word, which is also insane. Mm. Um, I like that he played up this though, the private negotiation where he's like, and it was private to me and Shani went up there and wasn't very private. So I'm taking the high road here and I'm keeping it to myself. He's going to leak stuff eventually, by the way, <laughs> you just like, he wasn't going to pop up in Pittsburgh a week from now. I was like, yeah, his stuff's going to get out. He'll find ways to disseminate it. Mm-hmm. And he, it's fine for him to do so. I like that. He, I want him to do that. That's good for us. Yeah. But this is the, if I was, JDPR firm, which I am going to be starting soon <laughs> because I would be sick at it because it's the easiest job ever. People who work in PR, you guys respond to my emails. You guys, you guys are so dude, bad. Oh my god, <laughs> dude! PR, easiest job ever. Free check for oh, you people. Come on. Here's my advice: Don't say anything dumb. Money, please. <laughs> like, okay, good job. Good job by you guys. Oh yeah, we can. Re- I'll ask They're this person. They're never going to respond to show. Ever yeah, again. yeah. It's PR. Who cares? <laughs> PR. Whatever. That's what I'm saying. They're because the thing with the full Don't, support of your Austin, family. Too. You're actually a producer. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, like, no, no. I'm just the Kyle Davis kidding. thing. Sorry, I'm I know, about the Kyle Davis thing. You, <laughs> just the respect, to, got... respect to his family. It's what like, were they talking about all year? Too were they not talking about him potentially staying yeah, in no, Toronto? They should have known this was coming. No, it's whatever. Anyway, I'm done with the family stuff. I just, Sorry. it's just like no, it's fine. He's just <laughs> the degree in which he's doing it now is like he wants people. Like I had people in my Twitter mentions being like. So you think hockey's more important than family? And you're like, yes. Yeah, okay, man. <laughs> All right. Austin said yes. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, the JDPR firm endorses this message of continuing to hit your base, 
privacy and family. Mm. And you did the right things. And this will make it even easier when you accept a job in two weeks in Pittsburgh. That's definitely happening now. That's what this Uh, statement tells me, too. To be honest, I don't know. Because apparently Pittsburgh almost, like, had their guy locked up. And so Dubas would have to be a pretty compelling case for him to drop in. Plus, I just, here's the thing. What about the Senators, too, though, right? No, but that's it. It's like, if I'm Kyle Dubas, I'm just looking at it. I'm going, what's the upside of the Pittsburgh job exactly? Okay, if there's a ton of money, cool. But you got a bunch of old guys. And I got to be the hatchet man who goes in there and trades Malkin and gets rid of Latang, who just had another stroke. Like, it's just, that's not, that's not good. That's not good optics. That's not, you know? What about Ottawa? Yeah, cut that part. (laughs) 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 I'm saying, like, it's not. I agree with you, but yeah, we'll cut that part. Yeah. uh, Yeah, I don't know, man. I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's that appealing of a job. And I just think he's going to get. Like, look at the GM hires that are out there right now. People like Mark Bergevin is out there. I'm like, let him stay out there. <laughs> There's <laughs> like, a reason. Let him rot. <laughs> Dave Nonis, anyone? Like, yeah, if I need a GM, if it was like GMs, it was about who would win arm wrestling. I would be like, we need to get Bergevin. <laughs> <laughs> but like any <laughs> other qualification, <laughs> nah, I'm good. So I just think Dubas isn't going to lose all that much by sitting out a year other than the, you know, $5 million, whatever he off- gets offered. So like, yeah, easy for me to say, pass up that dough. Mm. But I think like he just, he, he can handpick a lot of jobs. So whatever. Anyway, like got to run. I'm going to do Vancouver. Subscribe to this podcast. Leave five stars if you haven't already. And hit me up if you want to bet on Botano. Um, because like I said, I think it's the best sports book in Ontario. I really mean that. Uh, that's why it's the only one that I use now. And it's the only one that the rest of the team uses. Yes. So anyway, uh, signing off. We will see you tomorrow with Blake Murphy in studio.